back to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, and I'm so happy to be back here with you guys. Merry, merry, merry Christmas. I hope you all had an amazing Christmas and time with your family. I hope everybody is feeling well because, you know, the pandemic is going crazy again. So I hope um, that that's like nervous laughter, right? I hope everybody, I pray that everybody is healthy and well. Uh, as we go into this last episode of the new, of 2021, 2021, oh my goodness, as we round out the last day of 2021, I wanted to give you a message of hope, right? So as I looked at all my episodes in December, I realized that every episode of the month of December really was centered around hope for one reason or another. Uh, hope in some area of your marriage and this episode is no different it wasn't on purpose this was really just like a god thing that it ended up this way but this episode is we talk about letting go of shame in your marriage and standing on a strong foundation again uh, i have my guest here lydia santos who is the host and creator of the jar podcast you will hear all about her um, in the actual episode once we jump in uh, but really, the what I wanted you to walk away with today was not just learning about letting go of shame and, and standing on a strong foundation, but also understanding Lydia's story and hearing from her and understanding that uh, what God has done in my marriage and in Lydia's marriage, she can also do in yours. So she shares her a little bit of her story with us about how God transformed her marriage and what brought her to the place that she is. And it's just always been important for me, impactful to be able to share testimonies of what God has done, you know, testimonies of what he has done, not just for me, but for other people to really give you guys hope in your own marriage for that. And then here are some practical things about how, what that looks like to walk through in your life, you know, what that looks like getting past that, getting over the stage of separation as uh, Lydia will share in her own story. So I'm really, really, really excited for this week's episode. Thank you so much for everyone being here. And I just, you know, I just pray that the new year, uh, 2022, brings so much better, brings fruit and um, really a change throughout our lives, right? We are really in need of so much change and so much of God's love and mercy. So I pray that for all of you. And with that, let us jump right in. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me 
Learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the Gracefield Wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the Gracefield Wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. And I have a very special guest for you, Lydia Santos. And Lydia is a certified teacher with over 10 years of classroom experience turned to work at home, homeschooling boy mom. She and her husband have been to hell and back in their marriage, going from divorce papers to a long separation to marriage class facilitators for their church. She now helps Christian wives overcome shame, reclaim their identities in Christ, and walk in obedience through biblical mindset mentorship on the JAR podcast. You're welcome, Lydia. So happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. It's so funny because, you know, we know each other from being in the same um, podcasting circles and, and things of that nature, which is why I invited Lydia onto the show. And one of the things that I noticed is that her story and my story are similar. And when I look at some of the, a lot of the teachings that she gives, I realize we are very much in, in alignment with how we believe, you know, for marriages and how to fix marriages and, and really all the problems that take place in marriages. So Lydia, do you have like a, a philosophy or, and I know I'm sorry to throw, that's a big question to throw at you, um, but do you have a, like a general philosophy that you have on marriages? Well, yes, um, I would say it's something that I've learned. It is not something that was innate. It's not something that came easy. It's not something that I started with. It's something that came with experience, with hardship and trial and all of the above. Mainly bits and pieces put together from different things we've been through. And one of the main pieces to the philosophy, so to speak, is that it comes from the marriage course that my husband and I ended up leading after going through our trials is that you can't fix each other. You have to draw the circle around yourself and fix everything in the circle. And that's all that you have in your control is the ability to work on you. And yes, if the second piece to that philosophy is if you are at one bottom corner of a triangle and your husband is at the other bottom corner and God is at the top point, the closer that you grow in your own relationships with the Lord and work on your own things, the closer you grow together and that it's really not possible to grow farther apart when you're growing closer to the Lord and vice versa, that it's easier to grow apart when you're growing farther away from the Lord. And so it's really looking at yourself what you can manage, your own reactions, your own pain, your own wounds that aren't healed from your past, um, your own sin cycles and sin patterns. And the philosophy is just to work on what you can work on in, in yourself. I love that so much. And I didn't just audience like newsflash. I didn't know that that's what your philosophy was before I asked it. I asked because I had a sense that we shared a lot in some of our ideas. And I agree. It's the same thing. It's, it has become my philosophy because it has been what's worked 
for me and what I have seen it work for other people. And it just made so much sense that like, you know, just in going through management training, you know, like they talk about like if you go through in corporate, so as in corporate many years ago and in management training, you learn to kind of look at yourself and what could you change about yourself and your own actions and your own situation because there's so many things around you that are out of your control. And that I started to implement some of that when I was going through the difficulties in my marriage. And that is a lot of what I came up with. The difference I think for me was that my husband was an unbeliever. So it made it even that much harder because Mm. what are you, he's not trying to grow closer to God. So then where's our marriage going? So that I really, really loved that. Now, one of the things that you say um, that you work on is helping women to overcome shame. So shame in the marriage. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, that's something that was not in my vocabulary for pretty much my life up until trials in my marriage. And it's something that I've really dived kind of deep into sort of in retrospect. It wasn't something I was aware of in the middle of any pain or struggles that we faced, but more so post-crisis. So as you mentioned earlier that we've been to Helen back about six, seven years ago, we separated. There was a lot of deep-seated issues we hadn't dealt with, and there was sort of a catalyst moment or something that was opened up Pandora's box of issues. And we separated um, over 100 miles apart. So we shared custody of our two boys. We had papers. They were almost, so just the other day, at church, we had what was is called a cardboard testimony. And so people would write on one side something they've been through. They would stand up and flip it and display what God has done. And so our our boys saw us flip from papers signed with a little broken heart to the, the other side that said reconciled with a whole heart. And it's just a, a reminder of what we've walked through. And that's the difficulties of the shame that I experienced in facing single motherhood, facing the reality of something that wasn't in my plans. Um, Divorce was never something that I ever thought would happen to me or would be something that would even be a possibility. And when you're faced with something like that, especially in the trenches of sin struggles going on or continued, um, toxic behavior towards each other and the shame that you feel with how he's suddenly treating you when it wasn't that way or how you're treating him or how people are looking at you from this perfect example. I had multiple friends message me when they found out just can't believe this is happening to you too. You know, we looked up to you. There there were friends that walked out on us and, you know, it's been years. Um, You know, there's just a lot of minor details and people who go through struggles like this, it's not a cookie cutter situation. Not everybody's separation or divorce process look 100% alike, but facing shame suddenly was just brand new to me. And where it took me physically was to stress and anxiety causing me to drop to a size zero. I couldn't keep food down. My shame was obvious to to others. It was 
literally when scripture says that a broken spirit dries up the bones that what was happening to me Mm. and shame caused me to want to just run and hide sit in the back of the service at church to you know just kind of suffer with insomnia to an extent where I would just wake up and not be able to sleep so really what I try to help women understand is the difference between truth and lies and what my counselor helped me to do was to find scripture that really combated the lies that I was believing about myself that I was forsaken but he will never leave you or forsake you and I wrote out about 50 different lies and 50 scriptures and would stand there and just I tacked them on my wall and just would read them and try to re reframe retrain my my thinking and my beliefs because suddenly I was someone else that I never was suddenly I was facing a reality I never wanted to and suddenly I was dealing with thoughts and feelings I'd never felt or thought before yeah and it's easy to spiral when you're in that place yeah that's uh it's so powerful because so many things one the more that we get ourselves the more that we allow ourselves to live in a place of shame and in like darkness right because mm-hmm. shame is is darkness the more that we allow ourselves to live in that place the more it consumes us yes. versus talking about it and bringing light to it and then that shame loses its power that's right. so that's one major takeaway that I had um, kind of just listening to you the other thing was it's so crazy how different people react differently with shame right Mm -hmm. so you know I feel like when I was dealing with shame I'll go I was opposite I would go and eat my feelings right or would um I can totally understand sitting in the in the back of church almost to a point where you don't even want to be in church oh yeah because they're going to look at me a certain way. And and so much of, of what you were saying resonated with me. I remember telling people, um, you know, when we had separated, maybe like, oh, you know, where's your husband? Mind you, he wasn't a believer, but he mm-hmm. would attend. And I would say, oh, well, you know, we, we separated and they cried. Mm-hmm. They were like, what? No way. And I remember having told my pastors, like before he left, I was like, look, he's, he's leaving. Like we are on the brink of separation. And they were like, no, that's not going to happen. He's such a good guy. He would never do that. And it was just, so then to then be kind of thrust into this place of, like you said, single motherhood and, you know, now co-parenting and doing the you know, on the weekends, what are you doing with your, your kids? And there's all so much around that. And, you know, even feelings of like, am I ever going to be married again? Should I ever get married again? Like there are so many uh, things surrounding that, that just really kind of sent me into like a little bit of a depression until I was able to say, okay, God, (laughs) you know, and kind of surrender that to him, those feelings to him, to have him pick me up, pull me out, of those deep dark moments and say no not my child like no I'm, I'm here and and like you said lean on scripture and it's so funny that you said you teach women um to identify the 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 truth and you know identified lies is that something it's a, a module I had created in my course for that same reason you know where it's like this is a truth cycle you know and how do we go through that same thing it's it's so 
Sure. And it's so, I, I believe it's such a beautiful thing how, um, <clears throat> that's why I, I believe it to be spirit led because it's a thing. How do two women who never knew each other, you know, live in totally different parts of the country, have totally different stories and scenarios, but come to the same understanding of how and where do we re rebuild our marriage um, without having ever been taught it because my I, I looked and there was no resources there was even now there's there's no Christian resources for a woman who's kind of going through it on her own which is why I was like I'm gonna have to create my own because there was none right and so uh, so I want to ask you so now if we're in this place of shame and and we're in this this dark place how do we begin to, and I think you alluded to some of it, how do we begin to let go of some of that to start rebuilding our marriage on a solid foundation? So from personal experience, it was me getting quiet with the Lord, not looking to outside resources necessarily, or um, friends who were saying things, not that because I am a firm believer in community and the right community and people that lift you up. But there's a lot of opinions when something like this happens. There's in-laws that have opinions. There's friends. There's, you know, anyone that finds out has something to say, right? And it's really hard to kind of tune out everything or, or to listen to all of it and know what to do with it. Um, and so really it, it was a matter of me getting quiet before the Lord. It was a matter of me being really in tune and, and aware. And I remember having this vision one time when I was driving to drop my boys off. Um, we used to meet in a Cracker Barrel parking lot because, you know, it was just half the halfway point and such a mess. But as I was driving, um, this was on a very busy highway and there's always construction going on. And I remember seeing that the exit that I was supposed to take was closed down and I had to take another one. And there was an orange detour sign. And I heard almost audibly, but heard in my spirit, God is not deterred by your detours. And as you take a detour, you're having to pay really close attention. Like, okay, where do I go? I'm so used to just being on autopilot, but in a detour, you're looking closely for signs. You're going a little slower. You're not just speeding through mindlessly and you realize, oh, okay, it's still getting me to my destination. I'm just avoiding some potholes, some construction going on, or he's, I'm, I'm going a different direction than I expected. And so part of it is being open in your heart and your mind in those moments to what is God trying to tell me? And a lot of it is things that I heard were, um, God telling me, I don't need you to help me teach your husband something. I, I can do that. <laughs> and pretty much it was me having to learn to get out of the way of all of that and surrender his heart work to the Lord while the Lord was dealing with me and my own heart work. Cause I'm a fix it person. I'm like, I got all the answers but no, <laughs> and it was paying attention to little moments. Like I've talked about this on my podcast too, praying at like two 30 in the morning. Cause I couldn't sleep mm -hmm. and just praying Ezekiel's 
over the dry bones, bring them to life, like stir in my husband something that he can't sleep. He's not able to sit still, something stirring in him. And he texts me right then, I can't sleep. And it's like those little moments where you can tell that God is in those little dark moments, like you said, right there with you. And he hasn't left. So the baby steps of overcoming shame, of being in the word, of paying attention to where where he's trying to like speak to you and show you these little things. And slowly but surely, the more that you look for those, it's like looking for the light, right? Like you're like wandering through the dark and you're trying to find it. And then bigger steps can be taken, but it starts with those little, little personal moments that the Lord's trying to get you quiet enough to show you. I love that because Mm -hmm. it's, it's so true. It's in the, the little things that we hear. And as I like, it's like after the last time you spoke and then again, it's just like, it's almost for me personally, it's confirmation that you and I are on the right track with mm-hmm. what God has called us to do. Right. Because it is so true and it's hard. And I'm so happy to have you on so that my audience can hear it from somebody else that's not yeah. just me, right? That's right. like, no, I'm not the I'm not crazy. And I'm not the only <laughs> one who who the spirit spoke to, who the spirit said this to, who mm. the spirit taught this to, mm. which for me is like that just proves that that is God's truth because these were the things how often do we sit in quiet prayer with God? And then we question later, was that really God or was it me? Right. And then, and we sit there and we're like, oh, I don't know. What, is that what I really heard from the spirit? And hearing you say things is a reminder for me personally, like, yes, that is yeah. what, that is what you heard in the spirit. And that's so, um, so beautiful. Even the, th- the little things, like, as I listened to that podcast episode of yours of like, oh God, st- stir his heart. And as you were speaking, the other thing that came to mind, um, and which is why I didn't want to prepare questions ahead of time, because I felt like this was going to be a very spirit-led conversation. But the other thing that came to my heart is one of the oppositions, one of the things that has been coming up with my listeners, with clients, repeatedly over the past few weeks. So when that happens, I'm like, okay, the spirit is saying Mm -hmm. something and there's something going on and he, there's something he wants me to address. And that has been feeling hopeless in the marriage. So whether that's, you know, infidelity or just having a feeling of, I have done everything I can. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being the good wife. I've I've done all the good work and and learned all the communication tools and all these things are great. Right. When, when you have women who are deeply connected to the Lord and like who deeply love him and are trying everything, but are losing hope because their husbands are not changing. And, you know, I talk about this in the course and I talk about this on the, on the podcast, but and it's something I was actually going to record a whole separate episode on, but I, since I have you here, I'd love to see what is your perspective on that? That's a really good question. And first of all, I have to remember what it felt like. Yes. Um, 
and not minimize someone who's in that spot right now just because I've kind of found the light so to speak and I I mean I remember I remember how hopeless it felt and I think the the fact that you pointed to the Holy Spirit working in us separately yet so similarly also indicates that the hope that we have found is also something available to them and that they can find too and it's not just oh well good for you you can find hope but I can't it's it's something that is freely offered to anyone that walks closely with the Lord. And yet it's not easy. It's that journey of, where did I read this? I read this just, oh, Anne, Anne Voskamp. Um, I don't know if it was in her book, 1000 Gifts, but I was just reading some notes on it because I'm planning an episode too. And sort of similarly, I was going to hit on this point that pain and joy are two arteries to the same heart mm. and you can experience both and one doesn't necessarily negate the other because we all are going to walk through painful hard times and yet joy and hope can be something that the Lord is whispering to your heart and leading you through and that you can still hold on to and grasp on to even if situations haven't changed and they're not circumstantial and so finding that peace and hope and joy in the middle of divorce papers, in the middle of, you know, court proceedings or custody battles. There's a way to walk through it with hope because one point I'm going to um, talk about on my next episode is the, the fact that um, just the fact that you can, it, it sounds strange to be separate from your husband, but still in the marriage. Like even right now, like I, his issues, his thoughts, his feelings, his um, sin struggles are, they affect me, but they're not mine. And to be able to be a strong, independent, hope-filled wife, no matter what your husband is doing is an indication of your reliance on who God is, not who he is. And what I learned was to focus on attributes of God hmm. when I had nothing else to say, nothing else to give or believe about my husband and his character. It was relying on God's character. It was, thank you, God, that you are present, that you see me, that you forgive, that you, you know, all the things that he is and that he offers. And sometimes it's just clinging on to the character of God that gives us hope, not an outcome in your marriage. God's more, more concerned with the state of your heart than the state of your marriage. Whether you are happily married, living undivorced, so to speak, <laughs> broken up, separated, divorced, it's your, your heart and your connection to God is that brings that hope. It, yeah. And hopefully I, I conveyed that clearly enough to make sense <laughs> yes no absolutely I mean I'm also thinking of like I think um women who have lost the desire or the the result mm -hmm. to fight for it even mm -hmm. but one of the things that you said I did want to touch on or, or elaborate on is you said um God cares more about the condition of your heart than the condition of your marriage yes yeah glad I picked that up without writing it down so uh, <laughs> talk to me about um 
elaborate the condition of your heart, how? So I, I had a moment with God when our papers were almost finalized. I'd gotten them back again, kind of back and forth, lawyer stuff. And it was a moment where I finally felt like, why fight anymore? Why keep trying? And it was a moment of surrender of, all right. So even if my marital status changed from checking the married box to the divorce box, that I would be okay. And that God is still in control, still on the throne, still managing my life and my husband's life. And it was in that moment of surrender, not long after that my husband decided he wanted to start working on it. And my first instinct was, oh, <laughs> now I actually got to do work because <laughs> right. reconciling is not easy. But I remember in that moment that the state of my heart was what made the difference. Mm. It wasn't me kind of scrambling anymore to fix things. It wasn't me in my own strength trying to take over and make something work. It was in the moment of complete surrender when I just realized, you know what, I, I not I give up necessarily on the marriage, but I give up on trying so hard <laughs> yeah. um, that my heart was turned toward my husband, but at the same time was it belonged to God and whatever he was going to do with our marriage, with my life, with my kids. And really, that's what mattered. So even if even if things had ended differently, that my heart was in a place of trusting God and relying on him and not on things um, becoming what I wanted them to be. Yes. I love that. And the, the, it's funny because I think you spoke about that in a podcast episode. I remember listening to that episode, <laughs> guys, I'm going to leave her show in the show notes, but you have <laughs> to go ahead and follow Lydia. If you love this type of content, um, I, I listen to your show too. So, um, <laughs> What I loved about the even if, what I, and that being the condition of your heart, what I heard that you didn't say, and you can correct me if this is not what you meant to say, but what I heard was that is a moment of surrender. And I think you used the word surrender, but that mm -hmm. even if that condition of your heart that we're talking about here is that surrendering the outcome, which again, is like, oh my gosh, so crazy. This is literally another peace in the course, rendering the outcome of your marriage to God and knowing that whatever happens, it's okay. Because like you said, in the beginning, when you were first talking about it, when you were talking about shame, you had said, uh, knowing that God can do a better job than we can. We, we're not going to do a very good job of changing our husband, changing his heart, you know, bringing him closer to the Lord, any of that, like there is nothing that we can do apart from God to, to do that. And so that surrender, that even if moment and saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you that even if my marriage ends right now, that I've done the right thing and that you are going to step in, but having it in your heart where you want the marriage to work like you know you want it it sounded like you didn't want to be divorced mm -hmm. but understanding that like you were gonna stop striving you like you said we're gonna stop trying so hard yeah. and I actually had to coach someone recently on almost telling them you know what maybe you should stop going above and beyond 
because it was causing her to feel resentment. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was unfair to her. It was making her feel like a doormat when it's, it's for her, it had gotten to the place where this is for God to step in, you know? And right. so many places I, in fact, I, for personally, my moment of surrender, because God had spoken to me when we separated, he had spoken to me, you will be back together in, by September. It was like nine mm-hmm. months later, which is a very crazy thing. My aunt, my mom was like, oh, honey, like she thought I was crazy. Like she thought it was one of those things that like I was making up in my head, like, oh, God didn't really tell you that. And sure enough, we had gotten back together at that time. And I saw everything unfold. But even after we got back together, our marriage was terrible. So it was like, okay, God, well, you you gave me this promise and here it is. And now our marriage is terrible. Now what? And it wasn't until that surrender moment. It wasn't until that even if moment. It wasn't until that moment where I was like, okay, God, well, I'm done trying to make my marriage better. Like yeah. we're here, we're back. And I don't see it being any better. So you need to take this from me. And like instantly at that moment is when I saw the biggest change in my marriage it was like after separation and during the reconciliation part like you said like the oh now this is the work right because now yeah. you're actually kind of trying to make it work before it was easier because you guys were just like well we're separated we don't right. have to try anymore so that I thought was so um so powerful so thank you thank you so much for elaborating on that yeah I, I can say that one pivotal thing that I did do was read a couple books during that time. Mm -hmm. And again, I was trying to limit the noise, but one recommendation from a mentor of mine was called Shattered Dreams by Larry Crabb. And it's really tough. Um, But it's essentially that that point of everything else breaking and shattering that you thought were good things, that you thought were worth fighting for. And not that they're not worth fighting for, but you tried so hard to keep something together. It became an idol or it became something in place of God on the throne of your heart. And so sometimes God will allow certain things to shatter and break so that we can find that ultimate place of he is all that we need. And I remember one, one thing that I, I I can't remember if I heard it or if someone told me, but essentially it was that in my moment of thinking that I was beyond repair, that this was beyond redemption, that it was like looking to Christ on the cross and telling him that what that's not enough. Mm. That's not enough to fix this. And that's, that's false humility. Because if we're not willing to accept the grace that he's freely offered us to overcome anything, then his sacrifice on the cross wasn't enough for us. Wow. So if it's enough for your husband and his issues, it's enough for you and yours. It's enough for your marriage, your circumstances. Wow. That is so beautiful. Oh, I love it. Okay. So we talked about letting go of shame. We talked about, you know, rebuilding on the, or maybe we did it rebuilding on a solid foundation. I have my own ideas on how we would rebuild on a solid foundation after we let go of the shame. Why don't you tell me? I have a feeling that ours are going to line. So I'm going to ask you to tell me yours first. Well, I do remember telling him when we finally decided to move back in together. This was after 
almost a year and a half. So we'd started reconciling about seven months into the process, but we didn't immediately move back in together. And when we did, I said, we have to do things differently. Either we're going to couples counseling or we have to do something like this marriage class that we, we knew about. Because even though we both had grown up in Christian families and claimed Christ as our savior and believed that we had gone into marriage under the quote unquote foundation of a Christian marriage, it, we didn't have the right tools. Um, there was a lot of baggage that we brought into it and, and didn't really know how to, how to face. And so learning the right tools was really, really pivotal and kind of like learning the fundamentals of a basic, you know, sports, you know, that you have to learn, you got to do it over and over and over again. And that really did help us to have a more solid foundation than ever before. And it was learning these communication things and how to let go of things and how to, how to forgive, how to admit, how to can, uh, resolve conflict, all of those things. And um, it really was something that changed the second half of our marriage um, coming back together. Wow. That's beautiful because you're right. It's like, you can't continue, right. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. So you can't continue on, right. To be, to rebuild in the marriage, doing what you were doing before. So once you've let go of that shame in order to rebuild, you have to do something different. And uh, for me, I think part of it was, was, it was that surrender, you know, understanding Mm -hmm. that I had to surrender because my husband and I were in a different place. And it's funny because I told him the same thing. We have to do things differently. But in my mind, what that was, was you need to start going to church husband. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I made it a condition, literally guys, I'm so ashamed at this point, but like, we're not going to give shame its power. So I'm going to tell everybody that I did this. I made it a condition of our reconciliation that he start going to church. What? And that was one of those things that God spoke to me was like, no. Right. Right. But, um, I think in that I was able to let my husband know like this is something that is that important to me that it mm-hmm. has become a deal breaker in our marriage and um but it wasn't until the point where I had that surrender moment and I went to him and I said you know what I'm sorry and I take accountability for that and I apologize for making this a content a, you know a, a condition if you will of us yeah. getting back together if you want to go I we'd love to see you there but you don't have to be there. And that was the moment where God was like, now I can move. Now I can move. So I'm, what I'm hearing really is the, when we're doing the rebuilding, that solid foundation has to be on something, but something new. So God, right. He brings new things. Once he steps into it, he makes all things new. And I remember one of the visions that he gave me was that I was going to have a new man, but the same man. Because while we were separated, I was like, am I ever going to be married again? Like, what am I going to do? And God's answer to me was, well, you're going to have a new man, but he will be the same man. And Mm -hmm. just this, you know, even in saying what you were saying, you guys going to the marriage course or taking a marriage course together uh, is something that you were able to build on that. It's so beautiful because that's God coming in and making all things new. Well, I was just going to say what came to me was a part two and, and also probably just as important was letting people in 
because it was something that we, isolation was part of what just destroyed us. And we're both military kids and we're used to kind of moving and not like caring if people really get to know us or not. And it was walking into a service together and people knowing kind of what happened. And they both, you know, both of us being loved on and being welcomed and not being ostracized or cast out or anything. And it's just letting people know how raw and vulnerable we were and how scared we were and how ashamed we were. That was, you know, very, very awkward at first, but something that we've learned how to do is just to be open with people that know us and love us and not just hold it inside and let it eat us, eat away at us. Um, part of the healing journey has been to let people in. What I love about the letting people in is that directly ties into the letting go of shame. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why you isolate is so you can continue in your shame. Right. Because you are ashamed of everything going on in your your marriage and that allowing people in is to say, we're not going to be ashamed anymore. We're not mm-hmm. going to, we're going to take away the power of shame right. and we're going to overcome that, right? We're going to rise, rise above that. So I think that's really so beautiful. One of the things I've talked also about on this show is how when we talk about, when we normalize the struggles in marriage, that also takes, that also kind of causes shame to lose its power. Which is, I feel like I talk about the struggles in marriage a lot, right? Because this is like all I talk about on my podcast. But I, I, the, for me, the reason is because I want people to understand that even those of us who, you know, I believe I have a healthy marriage, a loving marriage. My, my husband and I, our relationship is night and day from where it was, but we still experience struggles in marriage. And anytime anyone who teaches or, or whatever on, on marriage and, and tries to tell you they have a perfect marriage, like that's a lie. you should should run right and just that that understanding and that saying I'm not going to be ashamed about the fact that we have normal struggles as people do because that's just you know kind of doing it in our own strengths thank you so so much for that before we wrap is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure the audience walks away with so one thing that came up while uh, we were talking, I don't remember what, what point it was at, but I felt it was worth mentioning was kind of in that point of surrender. Maybe not all of your listeners are moms. Maybe they will be at some point, or maybe they've walked through a part when their kids were little. It was when my boys were very young during this time. And I just remember part of my surrendering process was worshiping over them while they were sleeping and just asking the Lord to fill in the gaps wherever we were going wrong and that whatever was going on with us in our marriage was not going to have a potentially full impact on them, if that makes sense, that he still had them covered and not that nothing would trickle onto them, but that he would protect their hearts and their minds and their spirits from the turmoil that we were facing. And we tried as much as we could to have things be cordial, but that God would just be over their their little hearts and minds too. And so maybe just leaving a listener that's listening that's just in it right now and just devastated that their kids are walking through this too, 
that God is still a good father, even to them. I love that. It is so true because it's also reminding us that our kids, even though they may not come out unscathed, right, from these issues that we might be having in our own marriage, it is possible to to do it and have them still come out and and be healthy, well-adjusted children who are covered by their father who loves them so much and protects them. And it's it's that understanding and that faith that we think they're our children, but they're not our children. They're God's children. You know, we're exactly. just, it's just our, our duty to raise them here while they're on this earth, but they are God's children and he's protecting exactly. them. Such a beautiful thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lydia. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Right. So two places, one is at the jar podcast and that's on most platforms. And then also in Facebook, I have a community called Christian wife and marriage community. They can join and be a part of. Yes. Awesome. And she's very active in that community. I am in there as well. And I, you're really good with the, the Facebook, <laughs> Facebook thing. <laughs> so I love it. Thank you so much for your time. And until Thank next you. week, ladies. Hey, love. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.